today uh, I'm going to minister. I don't think I've ever ministered this here. I want to talk about, uh, look at the life of Mary and uh, the mother of Jesus and look, look at four characteristics that caused her to be used by God as an instrument to bring a blessing to the world. So if you have a Bible, you can watch online. This is New Living Translation. Can we read a bit? Luke chapter 1. This is uh, what happened with Mary in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village of Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. How many know that's true? Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Then the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to a town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And then Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. In this passage, there are four characteristics that Mary exhibited that caused her to be used by God. And we can, you know, we can hone this into our own life. If you have these four characteristics in your your life, how many know God could use you to minister to someone else? Nobody will ever hold the place that Mary held in being the mother of the Son of God. But nonetheless, we can be used by God in the way she was. So let's look at these four things. Number one, Mary was receptive and open to both hear and to obey God. You got to understand 
that during this time, again, Mary was a 16-year-old girl. So as a 16-year-old girl, here's an angel. I mean, she's minding her own business. She's got her whole life ahead of her. A boy has asked her to marry him. She was betrothed. Betrothment in the first century meant that for one year, you would prove your, your purity. You would prove your virginity. That was a big deal. In, uh, in Israel, it's not a big deal in America, but it was a big deal to, a, to an Israelite girl. And, uh, and so she was, uh, she was engaged, as we would call it, and going to be married. And, and, and she's thinking about her future, thinking about her life. And, and while she's thinking, an angel suddenly appears to her one day. Now, what would you do if you're thinking about the rest of your life and then this glowing being you know, uh, appears in front of you and says, I'm Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. Well, what? What would you do? I would freak out. And uh, so, you know, she listened to, she listened to the angel and, and the angel said, you, you're, you're going to get pregnant. Now, you know, it's shocking enough to hear an angel, but can you put yourself in Mary's shoes when the angel said, Mary, I know you're, you're engaged and I know you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. Uh, and so the angel told her what would happen. It would uh, expand the kingdom of God, bring salvation to the world. And Mary's response was, how can this, okay, how's this going down? What's going to happen here? You know, uh, Joseph and I are pure. I mean, come on, what's going on here? And the, and the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of God will come on you and you'll be pregnant with God's child. Mary was receptive and she was open to hear what the angel said and then to obey and allow it to happen. And as she thought about it, put yourself in Mary's shoes. She knew it would cost her. People would not. Can you imagine going up to somebody and you're starting to say, hey, Mary, you and Joseph are dating, right? Yeah, we're, you're engaged, right? Betrothed, right? How much long you got left? Well, just a few months. Well, man, you're getting mighty big. You must be eating a lot. No, no, no. Well, you look like you got a baby bump. Mary, are you pregnant? And what, what I mean, what would her friends say when, when Mary says, well, let me tell you what happened. I was in my bedroom one night. An angel appeared to me and told me I'm having God's child. Yeah, right. Can you imagine telling Joseph that story? Can you imagine how Joseph felt? He loved her. He pledged her the rest of his life. And she had to go to Joseph. Can you imagine Joseph's initial response? You find it in the book of Matthew. Mary goes up to Joseph. Said, Joseph, we got to talk. Something's happened. He said, "Yeah, what?" He said, "Well, I was, I was at home one day," and she tells him the story. He says, "Say what? You're pregnant, Mary, and you expect me to believe that 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 the Holy Spirit came on you, and this is God? Come on, give me a break. I'm not that dumb." And an angel had to appear to Joseph and say, "And say, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What she's telling you is the truth." Mary, how many know she had a lot at stake? Uh, it, she knew it would cost her. People wouldn't believe she was pregnant with the Holy Spirit. People would think she had been immoral, right? Of course they would. And then she would be associated <laughs> with scandal in her town. And people would say, well, Mary's pregnant, but Joseph's not the father. She'd been sleeping around. Now, how would you feel if you were Mary and you knew you hadn't done anything? You were innocent. An angel did appear to you. Jesus is going to be born. The Son of God is coming from your womb. How would, you, how would you respond to the angel? You've got your whole life ahead of you. She was willing to be used by God. 
Let me ask you a question. You know, Mary was willing to go through all the turmoil that that would bring upon her life, and forever her life would be changed. Is that not true? Forever. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to obey God? Am I willing to obey God and be used by Him in the ways He wants us to be used, even if people disagree, even if people vilify you, even if people say, uh, tell lies about you and get it all twisted and mixed up? Would you be willing to obey God, period, regardless? It was a big deal to her. Are you willing to suffer shame for his name? As I was thinking about this, Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5 came, 3, 4, and 5 came to mind when Peter and John, you know, had the man who had been uh, uh, lame for almost 40 years raised up at the gate beautiful in the temple. And, uh, you know, they got, they got, um, they got, you know, talked down by the authorities, the religious leaders and such. And then in Acts 5, revival broke out, healings occurred, amazing things happened. And then it says, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. King James translation says they, they, they were excited to, to be worthy to suffer shame for his name. I wonder if you and I, like Mary, would be willing to suffer shame. How many know it's not popular now in America, in the Western world, to be a Christian? Uh, those that think they know everything, they're trying to put Christianity to the side, make it a byword, make it, make it a nothing. And now, if you espouse Christian principles, you're vilified, you're marginalized, you're set aside, you're mocked. Is that true? Well, Mary was willing to endure that. Are we? Many people today want, want, only, want, want to obey God only when it's convenient and economically feasible. Is that true? Contrast that with the Apostle Paul, the book of Acts chapter 20. Paul said, and now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling the others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He said, I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to die if I need to. Well, what about us? Are we willing, like Mary, for a whole life to be changed if it means obeying the will of God? Sometimes, listen to this, sometimes God will inconvenience us just to see if we're willing to obey. Number two, Mary was willing to be interrupted in her life. Now the angel appeared to her, said, Mary, you're going to be pregnant with a child from the Holy Spirit, and... Uh, Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Or the King James Version says, be it unto me according to your word. How many know the call of God is not a call of convenience? Often it's inconvenient to answer the call of God. Mary was young. As I mentioned, she was 16 or so, and she had her whole life ahead of her. She was no doubt thinking about the life she would have with Joseph, and she was making plans for her future. And like any girl that was engaged, she's thinking about she's thinking about her wedding day. You know, maybe she's thinking about the festivities of that particular day. Isn't it sad in America we spend we spend a long time planning for one day and forget to think about the rest of our life when we're about to get married? Well, Mary Mary had all that to think about. She was thinking about her life with Joseph. You know, if you're if you're engaged to be married, you're thinking about your future. 
with your, with your future spouse. You're thinking about what life will be like. You're thinking about having an apartment, eventually, hopefully a house. And you're thinking about how you're going to decorate it, what kind of furniture you want to buy. When Susan and I uh, asked Susan to marry me that year, boy, we, we got busy with the wedding, but we also had to buy furniture. And we had all kinds of plans of how we're going to do home life and what that's going to look like. Mary had all that in her mind. But she was willing to be interrupted by the angel. And she was willing to obey the call that God had on her life. We often make plans and ask God to bless our plans. That's not the way God works. He wants us to ask him what his best is for us. He thinks about our life differently than we do. How many know that's true? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, Isaiah says, My thoughts are nothing like yours, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So again, you know, Mary was willing to be interrupted. Ask yourself, am I willing right now to be interrupted by God? Am I willing for him to interrupt my plans that I have for my future? And am I willing to do what he wants me to do? You know, I thought about this in my own life. I came here 25 years ago last October. And, you know, Susan and I were living in our hometown. We had a nice home. I was in ministry. I was the associate pastor of a church. My children were uh, in Christian school. Uh, Lindsay was a little baby. And... Um, but everything was nice, everything was going great. I was ministering a lot. I had a lot going on, enjoyed what I did, uh, helping the pastor of a church in my hometown. And, um, you know, and then, and then, then this thing comes along with uh, Victory Church in Raleigh. And, and, you know, I came here and tried out. And, and you know, I, I'll never forget one Friday morning, I was taking a walk. That's what I, I did in the morning. I'd pray in the Spirit and walk and talk to the Lord. And, you know, this opportunity to come here in Raleigh, I came a couple of times, and, um, and you know, I was just well ready to say, you know, Lord, I think I'll just, uh, in fact, they had actually, they were about to vote me in, and I didn't know it here as pastor of this church 25 years ago. I was taking that walk, and I, I remember saying, Lord, you know, I'm satisfied, I pled my case. I said, Lord, I'm satisfied with where I am. I'm satisfied with what I'm doing. My children are happy. Susan's happy. We're living in the nicest house we've ever lived in. At the time, and we're just, you know, life is good. I think I'll just stay where I'm at. And if they ask me, I think I'll just tell them no. And y'all, I'll, I'll never forget how quickly the Lord said, you take that church. Like that inside me. I, I mean, if he was in front of me, that's what he, you take that church. That's how it felt. I said, yes, sir. I, I never asked him again the following Sunday. I found out I got voted in here and uh, became pastor here. So, you know, uh, God's plans are not always our plans. If you want to have a vibrant, growing spiritual life, I've got it in my notes, you must be willing for God to change your plans. How many know peace and joy come with obedience? That's how you get it. Mary's obedience created joy. In fact, it created joy in, in, in John the Baptist in his mother's womb. He leaped when she said, I'm pregnant with God's son. If you've lost your peace and joy, you may want to go back. And examine where you were when you lost it. And as you're obedient to what God told you to do, you get it back. Again, I thought about this, 1981, I graduated from the second Bible school I went to. And, um, and uh, I was uh, really young, 21 or so, 22. And uh, just out of uh, Kenneth Hagin's school, Rama, 
an opportunity came in my hometown to be an associate pastor. Make a long story short, I missed God 1,200 miles. And I came back to my hometown to be an associate pastor in another church separate from the one I just mentioned and uh, did it out of the will of God. Y'all, I lost my joy. I mean, I'm preaching every Sunday night. I'm ministering to people. I'm laying hands on the sick. I'm visiting people in the hospital. I'm doing everything that I knew to do. But Susan and I would sit down over Sunday lunch, and she makes the best sweet tea you've ever had in your life And when I drank sweet tea. (laughs) And and I would drink my little tea, you know, and we'd be eating our Sunday lunch. and, And I'd think, you know, I'm just as miserable as I can possibly be. And, uh, and, and I lost my joy. And I finally, a few months into that, I said, you know, Susan, something happened. I've missed God. I've lost my joy. I've lost my peace. I don't think I should, we should have ever moved here. And, you know, God opened it up for us to move back to Oklahoma. I stayed there until 1988, got on staff at a large church, and that was my apprenticeship in ministry. How many know it doesn't, it doesn't cost, it pays to obey God? You lose your peace, you lose your joy when you get out of the will of God. What if Mary had said, God, I'm not your person. You need to go find some, somebody else. Well, the world could be different. She chose to obey, and she, was, and she was willing to be interrupted. Are you and I willing? Lastly, on this subject here, Jesus, don't forget his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's something that we should be willing to pray. In fact, this should be part of your prayer life. I'll do a prayer series in the future. And this is part of it, the, the uh, prayer of consecration. The prayer of dedication, Jesus went a stone's throw from the disciples. He was uh, at the Mount of Olives in an olive grove. I've been there and um, Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, he bowed his face to the ground, the Bible says, praying, My father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. And then that last sentence, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. When is the last time you prayed that? God, what, what do you want out of me? I'm willing to make any change of any plans. I'm willing to change anything I'm doing, anything I'm thinking about, any focus of my future. I'm willing to change what I'm doing now. What are you saying to me? Y'all, if we're wise, how many know we'll pray that prayer? Mary was willing to be interrupted. Number three, Mary had an attitude of expectancy. Again, verse 44 there in Luke 1. When I heard your greeting, uh, John the Baptist's uh, mother said, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Well, the joy that was on, the joy that was on Mary jumped off on the baby in, in, her, uh, in uh, Elizabeth's womb. It's kind of amazing. Mary expected God to use her. She looked on the positive side of life. She wasn't looking at what she had to give up. She looked at what she had to gain. How many know it's true? You know, there's no doubt, however, there is a price to pay, listen, to following the will of God. And Mary's life would never be the same. I mean, you know, Susan and I, we married, we waited five years before we had children. It was only after my mother got home and said, Mitch, if y'all ever gonna have babies, have them, have them now. And finally, we had four, but, uh, you know, we took five years. Here's Mary. She, she wasn't even married yet, and she's pregnant. Her life would never be the way she had planned it. She'd never have personal time like perhaps she wanted without children with Joseph. I mean, she's in the throes of, of getting really busy really, really soon. But Mary expected God to use her. She looked on the positive side of life. She didn't look at what she could give up. She looked at what she would gain in obeying God. How many know there is a price to pay for following the will of God? 
I'm reminded of Mark chapter 8. Jesus said this, uh, verses 34 and 35, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. Why did Jesus say, take up your cross? A cross is uh, is significant of two things. A cross is a place where flesh is crucified. We've got to say no to our own physical thing, all of the things that hold us back in this life. The cross is a place that says to us, let go of what you want to do. Let go of the carnal part of your person that wants to be like everybody else around you and let God have charge. How many hear me? A cross is a place where flesh dies. cross is also a place where my will and your will and the will of God meet and God wins. You lay down your will for him. And that's what Jesus was saying. You know, uh, I came to Jesus just before my 18th birthday and then February of 1977, I was working my job, been going to school, and, but I had an opportunity to go work uh, uh, my father came to me. He worked for DuPont, and at the time, it was a Mylar plant. Mylar is a substance that NASA used in all of their space explorations, and it was an amazing substance. In fact, my mother's house burned to the ground in 2016 as we were trying to sell it. They had some Mylar up in the uh, attic of that house, and that stuff is so amazing, it never melted, never burned, and nothing would stick to it. So my father worked there nonetheless. And I had an opportunity to go to work for this great big organization, this chemical company called DuPont. And my father told me it was true. And I had all, and I, so I went in for interviews and, you know, they gave me all kinds of tests and this and that. And I was the next person to be hired at their plant. I'll never forget the month before. That was March 1977. A month before that, God called me to preach. And I heard the call of God to forsake my plans to be a business person, to forsake my plans as a young man, to, to let it be my vocation of life to make lots of money. And I heard God say, I want you to give me your life. And I want you to preach for me. And I was wrestling with it for a few weeks. And then this just uncannily appeared. And my dad said, you've got a golden opportunity. The pay is amazing. The benefits are tremendous. You'll have everything you ever needed in life. All the money to raise your family and do whatever you want to do in life. It's available to you. And y'all, I was to be hired the next Monday. And y'all, I had a dream. And in the dream, there was a fork in the road. Well, I lived down a dirt road and when I was a little boy. And there was a tree and then there was a dirt road and a fork. One uh, forked left and it forked right. And I saw the, the left fork was my way, doing what I wanted to do. Living a wife, life the way I wanted to live. The, the right fork was, was the call of God. The call of God, how many know, is not always convenient. But how many know it's always the best thing? you'll ever do. I wrote this down yesterday. I was thinking about this. I chose that I chose that right fork. I chose God's way. Benefit the benefits of doing your own thing. Listen to this. Uh, can for the immediate be very positive. How many hear me? That's how the devil does. You want this? Don't you want this? Don't you want this? Don't you want to have this? You say, "Well, yeah, it looks good." And you can have it right now. But The blessings of obedience often take a while to happen. And sometimes it's a long while. And y'all, I've lived long enough now. If I had not made the choice to obey God when I was young, I I don't even know if I'd be alive today. I've got friends who made choices, different choices than I made. Life didn't turn out well. I can tell you it doesn't cost, it pays to obey God. 
How many hear me? Mary knew that. Isaiah 1, 19 to 20. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Kenneth Hagin, I was at a school 40 years ago, and would often talk about this scripture and say it doesn't cost, it pays to obey the will of God. Mary could have focused on her inconvenience. She was genuinely excited about what God had for her. Mary wanted God's best. Mary pursued God's best. How many know if you think about the positives of obeying God, your life will be blessed? In fact, uh, uh, Jesus came to a couple whose uh, child had need of healing in Mark chapter 9 and said to them, anything is possible for the person who believes. And how many know if you keep your mind on the positive aspects of obeying God, not on what you lose, but on what you gain. You gain peace, you gain joy, you gain the blessing of God on your life. That's what Mary did, and that's what God wants us to do. Uh, God appeared to Abram, changed his name to Abraham, father of a multitude, said, I'm going to take you from your family. You and, you and Sarah, your wife, you're going to have a child. They were old. Mary, uh, Abraham was 75. Uh, Sarah was 65 when God called him. And God said, in your older age, you're going to have a child. And it's going to be an amazing thing. Through your life, the whole world is going to be blessed. And the Bible says of Abraham, Romans 4, 19, And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, he grew, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. Mary lived in the expectation that, that God could do what he said. She was 16. She was a virgin. She had never been intimate with a man. And she knew if God, through the angel, said, you're going to have a baby, and that baby's going to bless the world and change the world, well, then it's going to happen. And how many know she lived in the light of that expectation? And you and I, we can live in the light of the expectation of the blessings of God when we choose to obey him. How many hear what I'm saying? Then lastly, number four, Mary had the spirit of humility. And uh, Bible scholars call this the Magnificat, verse 46. Mary sang a song, responded. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly, ser lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. He's shown mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands you know think about put yourself in mary's place uh she could have been haughty <laughs> i'm gonna be the mother of the son of god in fact some people today they'd hire somebody to be you know their publicist they walk into a room would everyone stand please everyone applaud not mary no, Mary bore what she knew in humility. And how many know we need to do the same? It's hard for God to use a person who's big in their own eyes. Um, Mary didn't call, this didn't cause Mary to be proud. It humbled her. How would you respond if, God was, if, if you knew God was going to use you in a big way to minister life to others? 
In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, this is Passion Translation. I love this verse. In the same way, the younger one should willingly support the leader, leadership of the elders in every relationship. Each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. Because God resists you when you're proud, but multiplies grace and favor when you're humble. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Isn't that awesome? Now, I don't know what it is about me, but, you know, as a young man, I I felt like I was just always full of pride. I did things my way. I had a stubborn streak in me. When I came to Jesus, I came across a verse of Scripture that, I mean, it's, I still, in the mornings, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I kneel when I pray often because it's not that you need to kneel. You could stand on your head and pray if you wanted to. But I kneel because it reminds me that I need to humble myself before God. And back when I was, I, I really, I think I was 18 when, I, when God gave me this scripture, Isaiah 57. I found it one day just reading through my Bible. And it so struck a chord in me. I read it a lot now. And it says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble. And revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. If you want the favor of God, learn to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what Mary did when, uh, when the angel appeared to her. She humbled herself and God blessed her above any woman of her time, perhaps of any woman in eternity. So let me ask you four questions from these four points about Mary's life. Are you receptive? Are you open? To hear and to obey what God's saying to you? Mary was. Am I? Are you? Are you willing to be interrupted for God's purposes? Call of God's not always convenient. Are you expecting God to use you? Are you looking at the positives? Are you looking at all the negatives that may happen if you, if you choose to obey God? And fourthly, are we willing to humble ourselves before God? Mary was. God wants us to. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for Mary. You know, I think the Catholic Church, they almost worship Mary. We don't worship Mary. She's not deity. And we should never act like she is. But Lord, thank you for her. Thank you for her obedience. Thank you for her willingness to give her life away, to give her womb away, to give her body to you. Lord may, we, uh, Lord, may we follow her example of obedience. May every person in this room stand before Jesus one day and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your Lord. Lord, I ask you for me and for all of us in the days, the weeks, the months, the years to come, when you speak, may we be willing like Mary to hear what you're saying and to obey you and make the adjustments that we need to make. In the name of Jesus, we just give thanks.